Here's the man that you fear most in football, staring you right in the face. Pitch to Walter, looking for the record, cuts back, he's got it! Historians may debate whether Chicago's defense was the best unit ever to play the game. Go Bears! Welcome to the ESPN Chicago pregame show on the ESPN Chicago app, 100.3 HD2 and ESPN 1000. Here are your hosts, Jeff Miller and Dion Miller. Miller for now, only momentarily. Dion Miller is en route. She has been delayed ever so slightly by some Chicago Marathon closures around the road. So Jeff Miller here right now. Dion Miller should be with us though shortly. So right now she will be on her way and I will uh, keep you company solo. It is a huge day in Chicago. Of course, the Bears are in Vegas for their week five matchup. Going to check in with Jeff Dickerson about 135. If if Tom Waddle can get to a quiet spot in the stadium as he attends the game out in Vegas, he also will join us around 2 o'clock. And, of course, we have ourselves a huge do-or-die game for the White Sox right here on ESPN Chicago. You're home for White Sox baseball. First pitch at 7.07. Connor McKnight's pregame begins at 6.30. But prior to that... Brian Hanley and Jesse Rogers will have an extended White Sox pregame show starting at 4 o'clock today. So we have a full busy day here on ESPN 1000. And as I mentioned, the Bears and Vegas Raiders will get underway around 3 o'clock today. And that is why I am here. And again, Deanne Miller will be here shortly for your ESPN Chicago pregame show. Brought to you, of course, by 3Chi and Valparaiso. All right. So in addition to all that. We have ourselves the NFL slate, which has begun. And I'm not naive to the fact that you're probably, if you're just a diehard Bears fan, you probably have some interest in what's going on around the league as well. So I will keep you apprised of everything that is happening. I know Shea Pepler-Cornette mentioned the Bucks scoring. So just to fill you in on what she teased there, Tom Brady connected with Antonio Brown for a 62-yard touchdown. So the Buccaneers right now on top of the Miami Dolphins, 17-10. to Around the league, Packers on top of the Bengals, 9-7, to courtesy of a missed extra point by Mason Crosby. Rodgers connecting with A.J. Dillon on his score there. Vikings and Lions, 13-3. to Minnesota on top, courtesy of an Alexander Madison touchdown. Delvin Cook not playing in that game today. The Steelers on top of the Broncos, 10-3 to right now. I mentioned the Bucks beating the Dolphins, 17-10. to Washington and the Saints are currently tied up at 13 apiece as Elvin Kamara just ripped off a long touchdown run for the Saints, about 30 yards or so. The Panthers on top of the Eagles, 10-3. to Titans beating the Jaguars 21-13. to The Texans, a little surprisingly right now, on top of the Patriots, 12-6. to And if you missed it, the Atlanta Falcons beat the New York Jets 27-20 to this morning in the London game. So that is everything that has currently happened right now around the league and where we're at. Again, I will keep you apprised on what's going on. But this is your Bears pregame show. I'm Jeff Miller. Deanne Miller will be here shortly. And where? what better place to start? The only place we can start these days is with the head coach, who seems to continually bring criticism upon himself because he can't get out of his own way. He doesn't know what to do publicly when he addresses the media, 
keeps sticking his foot in his mouth. And it started last after a victory of all things last Sunday over the, I'll go ahead and call him the pity, pitiful Detroit Lions. Matt Nagy, when he was asked directly, hey, who called the plays for you guys? In regards to the play calling, uh, Bill did a great job, you know, and, and I think that, uh, you know, at the same point in time, it's important that we understand that uh, I had to be, I, I felt good out there as a head coach, and that's real, you know. Um, but we all get together. We talk through um, how we're going to call the game, and we do that when, when, I'm, when I'm calling plays too. You know what I mean? Us as a staff, we get together. And, and um, so I think that that's important for everybody to know, you know, is that when we build a game plan together, whether it's the offensive line coach with Juan or whether it's our tight ends coach or wide receiver coach, et cetera, we do it together. And, and in the end, um, you know, I get a, a great opportunity to say, yes, I like this or no, I don't. As the head coach, right, in charge of all that. that that's real. So um, when you do that, now I also go back to saying last week, right, or this, this last week was, hey, whatever I need to do to try to be the best head coach for the Chicago Bears, whatever that is, I, I don't care. I just want us to have the best opportunity to win. And I feel like Bill did a great job today. Our players did a great job. Our coaching staff did a great job. And we played collectively together as a team, not just players, not just coaches, everybody. And when you have that, it's a good feeling. So we'll continue to just keep talking. We'll continue to, to but, but again, like, again, with all due respect, all due respect, that it's going to be the, the last time I talk about it. Okay, with that. Sorry, do, do you want to stick with Bill as the play call? Again, I, like, like I said, <laughs> you just, <laughs> you're unbelievable. You, you try, you try, I, listen, I, I hope you understand. I get it. I get it. I get it. But just, just know, like, <laughs> Uh, that's it. No more with this. He tried, man. He tried. I mean, I know he tries to lighten the mood there with a little bit of laughter, but the reality is that sounds like a man who is not long for the job here in Chicago. He may probably in all likelihood finish out this season if things don't go horribly wrong, but you have to wonder why Matt Nagy decided after a 24 to 14 victory when you had right of the ship just a little bit, you had your rookie quarterback, Justin Fields, making his second career start look pretty solid in an effort against the Lions. And when asked directly with an opportunity to throw a few bouquets around after a win, he found it necessary to remind everybody that ultimately it all goes through him. We know that he's the head coach. That's his job. Nobody's ever going to say, listen, the buck stops with him with everything. You know, you'll get the credit. It's an easy opportunity in that situation to go ahead and give Bill Lazor credit for helping them, you know, find a rhythm against the Lions. And it's just, it, it shows you that right now Matt Nagy is really, he's lacking confidence. I, I think that's all that showed there. And it was uh, an unfortunate display that in a victory, he turned it into a, about himself uh, in a moment where it really didn't need to be and coming out of a win when you haven't you know you get to 500 you've got an opportunity to move forward and maybe go in and get a win against the Vegas Raiders who are while not a pushover like the Lions they're certainly a beatable team and with a three and one record they're 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 a team that can be beaten right now and Matt Nagy couldn't help himself and had to point to himself as the guy who ultimately it all goes through him, all runs through him, and that was, you know, unfortunate. I do not think he's long for the job. 
And if you needed, you know, if uh, that in itself wasn't enough, it just continued to unfold throughout the week, starting with Monday when Matt Nagy reaffirmed that, oh, no, Andy Dalton, when healthy, is indeed the team's starting quarterback. When we when we work through this whole process, um, we got to see where Andy's at health-wise these next two days. That's important because, like we said this whole time, you know, um, when Andy's healthy, right, when he's healthy, he's our starter. He's the one. Justin's the two. Nick's the three. So what's been great about this, you know, the last couple of weeks is Justin's had the opportunity to, to play and get significant steps, and he's grown from it. So now we just got to see, like, where where is Andy's health at? Um, honestly, the, the next two days will, will be revealing to us. And then once once that happens and we get a feel for where he is, then we as coaches decide, okay, hey, where are we at right now? How do we feel he is percentage-wise, Andy, to be able to to uh, to go into that game as the starter? So if he's so if he's healthy, if he's good to go, then he'd be the starter. Correct. Except except that was Monday. This was Wednesday. I told you the last couple of weeks we've had some. Some good conversations internally. Um, it's it's helped us in the last couple of weeks. Continuing that process this week, it's uh, it's it's led to making the decision to move with Justin as a starter. Um, you know, we've been patient with this. Uh, we've grown with him. We're proud of Justin. Uh, he's been a great teammate from the very beginning. And I think what needs to be understood is that um, from Justin's side. You know, with the injury, the, the the plan and the process that we had going into this um, was important to understand. And and then when Andy unfortunately got hurt with his with his knee, that sped the process up. That sped the plan up. And so, um, I've always said from the beginning to everybody in here, to our players, coaches, to to to, to y'all when y'all ask, is that um, we'll know. And. Um, he's done everything to, to show us that he's ready for this opportunity. The only logical conclusion to draw is that somebody above Matt Nagy informed him that Justin Fields was going to be the starter going forward. And I say that because the reality is what he said on Monday did not need to be say, said. The reaffirmation that Andy Dalton was the starter if healthy. Uh, if he wanted to hold out and tell us that, you know, we're going to wait, and he was going to do what he did on Wednesday, there was never a reason to go ahead and say that Dalton was the starter on Monday. The fact that less than 48 hours after he told everybody Andy Dalton was the starter, oh, no, wait, we've changed courses when we found out it was, when we knew it was, he was ready, it would be his time. Nothing happened within that 48 hours to change the trajectory of whether or not Fields should be the starter going forward. We all knew what we watched on Sunday having seen him beat the Lions, that it really didn't make any sense to continue forward with Andy Dalton. At this point, Justin Fields, it's time to just go. Let him make the mistakes he needs to make because we've seen that he he can perform capably when the play caller gives him a chance to succeed. Now, there will be some games going forward where it's going to be more difficult than it was last Sunday. In fact, today against the Raiders, it very possibly could be a more difficult performance for Fields. Nevertheless, though, things probably can't get too much worse than what they were against the Browns. In fact, I would say it's damn near impossible. It would get worse than what it was. So at this point, now that you've let him see a professional defense and he's performed capably, it's time to move forward. Let him go through the growing pains. And now it's time for Matt Nagy to be evaluated. And the truth is, I think he had a talking to 
uh, and he was told, listen, Matt, now we need to evaluate whether or not you're the guy for the job. It was probably a hard conversation that he had to hear, and I feel like if he wasn't under enough pressure to begin with, he certainly knows that he is now. That's the only reasonable, logical explanation for why a head coach would do a complete 180 within 48 hours. And I'm not the only person who thinks this. Jay Cutler joined Waddle and Sylvie yesterday while they were in Vegas broadcasting from Circa, and he was asked, hey, how did... Matt Nagy flip-flop on his starting quarterbacks within two days. I mean, Coach Nagy's got a boss, too. So someone, someone above him said, that, hey, this isn't what we're doing. I'm assuming this is, this is the direction we're going. We're all in, and let's, let's do this. So that would be my guess. But again, it's a guess. So there you go. You have a head coach who, in terms of critical decision-making, has been neutered. That is not good at all. And there's plenty of people who are happy to criticize Matt Nagy, including... His defensive coordinator from last season, Chuck Pagano, was very critical of Matt Nagy's stance on flip-flopping between Justin Fields and Andy Dalton. I'll let you hear what he had to say next. This is ESPN Chicago Pregame on the ESPN Chicago app, 100.3 HD2 and ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Getting set for Bears and Raiders in Vegas today. This is ESPN Chicago's pregame show brought to you by 3Chi and Valparaiso. I'm Jeff Meller alongside Dion Miller. We just let you hear from Matt Nagy, and I teased as we were heading to break the fact that I was surprised, Dion, about how critical Chuck Pagano was of Matt Nagy. So let me play this for the audience real quick, and we'll uh, get your take on Chuck Pagano. This is on the Pat McAfee Show earlier in the week after Matt Nagy was flip-flopping back and forth with Fields and Dalton. Yeah, um, you know, going back to the presser, Pat, I mean, all he had to do is get up there and say, hey, look, Bill did a great job. Fields did a great job. Defense was outstanding. Turnovers, end of discussion, you know. Tino always taught me, less is more. Shut up. You talk too damn much, Chuck. So less is more. Just leave it at that. And then, you know, I think the court of public opinion, I think the fans, um, I'm sure there's people in that organization are saying, hey, this kid's our future. Why are we going to delay this any longer? You know, we know what Andy is. He's great in that road. He can become, you know, the next clipboard Jesus, if you will, and, and be the backup. And, you know, let this kid, you know, get these these snaps under his belt instead of waiting, going back and forth, back and forth. You know, so I don't one way or another. I know the locker room uh, and everybody in that in that city and that organization is probably fired up. that Fields is going to be out there still. Chuck Pagano unfiltered some pearls of wisdom for Matt Nagy there from a guy who was a head coach at one point. Yes. And and from a man who was in in those meetings with Matt Nagy and knows the. I get the double speak, the talking too much. I mean, last week when he was in that post game press conference, yep. and then again on Monday, I just kept thinking, "Stop talking! Yes. Like, just, just please stop. You're making it so much worse because you're not just owning what's going on." It had to be. It was such a weird place after the game to be like, "Oh, by the way, I'm the head coach." Mm. Yeah, Matt, we know. Like, just give credit to. 
to what Bill's doing, to the fact that it was successful, he said his exact words were, I will, I want to do whatever is best for the Bears. Okay, what's best for the Bears is that you step back and you say, you guys take control here because what I'm doing is not working. And if you need any more evidence of how critical it is to get Matt Nagy away from the play calling, I thought this was also very revealing when Justin Fields was asked, this is on Sunday, after the victory, about how Bill Lazor did as a play call. I believe this might include the question. Matt complimented Coach Lazor for his job calling the game today. As the guy who was taking the plays, what did you see from the play caller perspective that made you feel good about the, the day? I mean, yeah, he does good. Um, you know, Bill, he's, he's up in the box, so his voice is always calm. That's the one thing I like. You know, Coach, it's harder for him to be calm when he has to focus on the defense, focus on special teams. So, um, you know, um, his voice is calm. He's, he's up, there, up there in the box seeing field well and uh, he 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 did a great job calling plays today i thought that was really revelatory the fact that listen you've got a rookie quarterback mm-hmm. who for when you think about it for all intents and purposes justin fields from the very little we've gotten to hear from him to this point has showed so much more maturity in terms of just where he's at and how yes. com- comfortable and confident he is if you just look at previously you know with what we were dealing with with mitch trubisky even in year four with mitch you could tell he didn't have the confidence that Justin Fields does, right? Correct. And so to hear Justin Fields lay it out, hey, Bill was very calm. That's mm-hmm. exactly the way I want my play caller to be with a young quarterback. I don't want Justin Fields to be the guy who's most calm in terms of like how this is playing out, right? Right. So I don't need Matt Nagy getting – I think we've all been around it. Put it in your own – in terms of your own personal life, if you're around somebody who's nervous, right. it just tends to make you a little bit more nervous. On edge, of right? course, of course. That And the other thing, it's also hard for a head coach to be calm when he knows his job is on the line, right? So his voice had to be so intense on that headset because he was hearing so many things from, you know, trying to do it all. And and I prove that he belongs, I guess. And to hear Justin say it that way, like it was just so calming. And the way he played, I mean, it took exactly, what, two plays to say, oh, clearly, man, he's not calling these plays today. It was so evident just how different it was. The way even Justin carried himself was different. And and that's something that that Matt doesn't need to stand up there and say, oh, oh, but this is, look at me, I made this grand glorious decision. No, he needs to say, look, that's what's best for the Bears. And if that's what is best for the Bears, then that's what what's best for me to take my hands off and let these two run with it. Yeah, I, I do wonder if Matt Nagy would have even acknowledged who called the plays had he not been pressed on it. Right. It, it almost Probably felt not. It almost felt like he was trying to dodge it throughout the entirety of the post game because, like you said, he feels the need to, in whatever f- form and every which way, validate his own yes. worth to the team. And so, because of that, he, he we got what we got. You said the double mm-hmm. speak. He just people everywhere. Everyone can see it at this point. And you just hope going forward. Now, Matt Nagy relinquished the, the play calling. I hope we get to the point where we're not going back to it. Right. Like, right. Hopefully he learns from this that, listen, you can be a successful head coach. It may not be the way you envisioned it. You right. know, you probably, right. you probably assume, listen, I'm going to, I came in here, I was hired because I was going to be an offensive guru. That's how this was going to play out. It's, it did in some ways in 2018 in his first season, but the reality was that I think we, we know now he was buoyed by that defense. A, a thousand percent. And so now we're at a point where, look, it didn't go the way you planned. It's not the way it was drawn up. But if you're going to continue to keep your job, you've got to let it go and oversee everything and be a head coach 
going forward. That's where he can make his mark. Uh, totally. And he was buoyed by that defense to the point where he didn't feel like he even had to pay attention. And he, and he that was a luxury with Vic Fangio. That was a luxury. And then when that changed and then the defense didn't quite do the same, then they needed him to be more of a overall head coach. And he resisted it mm. so much. And I, I still don't know why exactly. But now, I mean, to hear him say, okay, I had fun being a head coach. Okay, well, that's your role. <laughs> that's actually your job. Yes. So you better have a good time with it because if you are able to do that and you're not calling the plays guess what you are not long for the sideline in chicago absolutely and the opponent who we we really haven't even touched on yet when everything looks like boy it can't it can't possibly be worse for a head coach john gruden comes out and says hold my beer we had (laughs) ourselves a little bit of a kerfuffle to say it nicely on friday when the wall street journal got a hold of some emails that um, that John Gruden uh, authored back in 2011 during the lockout. whole bunch of issues. I will let Chris Mortensen um, give you the synopsis of it from earlier this morning on ESPN Countdown. I did speak with John Gruden Friday evening, and he did express his remorse again about his words concerning Smith. Now, he also confirmed uh, to us that he did disparage NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell with a profane description uh, among the several emails that the league has turned over to the Raiders, including owner Mark Davis. Gruden told me, he said he was in a bad frame of mind at the time about the lockout. That was 2011. Uh, He was felt like the lockout was keeping players and coaches from doing the things they love. Uh, He also was on a mission uh, for high school football, thought some of the safety uh, concerns uh, and the rhetoric that was being expressed were keeping parents uh, from sending their kids to play football. And he said, again, he was just in a bad frame of mind. It was not a good time for him, but nevertheless did not excuse his remarks uh, that he said concerning DeMora Smith-Adam. Yeah, that's the most important thing, honestly, as a Bears fan who doesn't really have much interest in the Raiders, mm-hmm. I don't really care what he said about Roger Goodell at a time when he wasn't even employed as an NFL head coach. Correct. The truth is what will impact John Gruden and the Raiders today, or what could impact them, is the racist trope he used in describing DeMarie Smith, mm-hmm. the head of the Players Union. And I think what John Gruden will find out today, how they come out and play for him, I would expect that the Raiders, as long as he hasn't lost the locker room, yeah. will play hard. The question is, you know, he made, he apologized, said he never meant any, it was, there was no racist in, uh, intent. intent yeah. And so the question is, do you believe him? Or more importantly, do the players in his locker room believe him? Well, that is the question, of course, is like, what are they hearing in the words that he's saying, right? Or what are they interpreting based on what they know of him? This was a decade ago. And yes. so, I, and, and I have to say, too, like when I first heard about it, I was like, okay, who among us hasn't said something they regret a decade later? We're all different people now, right? So, like, I'm giving John Gruden a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. And this is a three-in-one team mm-hmm. that I think is believing in their head coach right now and the, and the way that they're playing and starting this season. So, it de- it depends on what that relationship is like in exactly. the locker room and in how he's related to all of his players as a head coach and, and how he's connecting with them and that relationship that he's building, how that might impact them today. It could be a double-edged sword because you could have a situation where if some Raider, Raiders players had suspicions that he could, there could be some racism in John Gruden, then 
it is very easy to confirm what they already believed. Yes. However, if he has never displayed any of that and none of the players have any inkling that that's the case, then I think a lot of them will rally, rally around, around him. him. And totally. probably you may see a very strong effort from this mm-hmm. Raiders team. And that does not bode well for the Bears because without Akeem Hicks, I know. without David Montgomery, this, I think, is going to be a tough game for them to win today. That. Those two are the face of the Bears on both sides of the ball at at this point Mm -hmm. because we haven't seen enough from Justin Fields. I think he's eventually going to be there offensively. But David Montgomery is the identity on offense. Akeem Hicks sets that tone on defense. This that is scary that neither of them will be involved in this one today. And I thought if if Akeem had traveled, maybe he would have tried. But but he didn't. And remember two years ago when they faced the Raiders is when he got injured and yes. that in, like in, set up the rest in London. In London, yep. Yeah, far trip to get your butts kicked, but yes. they did it. And so, and then it changed everything. It, it, really, it really did. did. It was a turning point. It changed everything. Yeah, so we will be watching that. Jeff Dickerson's going to join us here momentarily and give us the latest, uh, the Bears and Actives, how he thinks this will unfold. And you and I actually were texting last uh, last Sunday when it looked like David Montgomery was going to be injured for a while. Now he's been placed on injured reserve. Looks like the timeline is three to five weeks, according that's the latest from Ian Rappaport. So that is encouraging news. The one thing I'll say is, like, Hicks is the big blow. Because yeah. I think that really, with the Raiders having Josh Jacobs back to what seems like full health, he was mm-hmm. finally a full participant on Thursday. And he really is, you know... Bears fans are probably familiar because he was one of the picks who the uh, that the Raiders used when they traded away Khalil oh, Mack nice. to the Bears. Josh Jacobs was the first rounder that they used to, uh, or it was the first rounder that they used to select Josh Jacobs. So he's back today, and that's going to be critical. Um, not having Akeem Hicks there to stop him, that's going to be another issue for the Bears today. So. I know. And, a lot of things last, not setting up great for them. No, Deanne. not setting up well for them at all. And and last week, Eddie Goldman's first game, it wasn't really, didn't really show up, right? So let's hope maybe he just needed that one game for the first time in 22 months. Yep. And now now he's more in the flow of things. Mm-hmm. I, you have to put a giant question mark there because we just don't know. It, yeah, no, it's definitely uh, a big blow having him back. But as you said... Looked like a guy who hadn't seen live action really Correct. in a long time. And so that certainly was not ideal. But now they're going to need him to step up and be a run stuffer because if he can't be, this is going to be a long day for the Bears in Vegas. All right. Up next, we go out to Vegas and we touch base with Jeff Dickerson, who's live from the Raiders Bears game. We'll do that in just a minute on ESPN 1000. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Facebook at ESPN Chicago. You're listening to the ESPN Chicago pregame show on ESPN 1000 and 100.3 HD2. Here are your hosts, Jeff Miller and ABC7's Dion Miller. on the ESPN Chicago pregame show. I'm Jeff Meller, along with Dion Miller, presented by 3Chi and Valparaiso. We're going to check in with Jeff Dickerson live from Las Vegas here in a moment, but a, a quick look around the league, Dion, what's going on uh, as most games are nearing halftime, if not already passed. The Packers right now on top of the Bengals, 16-14. to A couple touchdown passes for Aaron Rodgers, one to Devontae Adams, who's already got 117 yards. Wow, of course. The, Oh, yes. Yeah, you expect that, of course. Of course. The, that's always, he's always the man uh, for Aaron Rodgers when he's going off. The Vikings on top of the Lions in the other NFC North game, 13-6. to 6. 
The Steelers are beating the Broncos 17-6 to right now. Buccaneers just hit halftime. A missed field goal by Ryan Suckup leaves the score 24-10 to right now. The Bucks on top of the Dolphins in the Florida showdown. I'm sure they do not call that that, but still. <laughs> we have just deemed it. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Washington football team and the Saints are tied 13-13 with a minute to go in the second quarter. Panthers on top of the Eagles at halftime, 15-6. to A touchdown pass for Carolina's Sam Darnold. They, they Panthers seem to are be good, rolling. man. They're not going away. And they believe it because yeah. they went out and they traded for Stefan Gilmore. So uh, they believe they're contenders. The Tennessee Titans on top of the Jaguars, 24-13 to at halftime there. And this is the surprise of the day so far. The Houston Texans right now beating the New England Patriots 15 to 9. Don't uh don't say the Texans are the worst team in the league just yet. Just they yet. beg to differ. Just yet. And then finally we have a final because the London game <laughs> Speaking the, of begging to differ, the Jets would like a word. Yes, good point, good point. <laughs> the Jets lose yet again. They tried to make put up a fight, but uh, the Falcons were too much. They win twenty seven to twenty in London this morning. Big day by Matt Ryan. Cordero Patterson. Mm-hmm. He's doing things for Atlanta that he uh, never did here. <laughs> and Kyle Pitts, the young rookie, the highest drafted tight end ever, had nine catches for 119 yards and a touchdown. So big day for the Falcons as they get a win early this morning. The Did you watch the early game at all? I did. I had it on a little yeah. bit. Yeah, Complete, I mean... You know, background noise though, right? Oh, total the right? background noise. I mean, like, zero invested in either of these teams, but I did love the Bears' trip to London outside of the game. Mm-hmm. It was a great time. It was a great time. <laughs> <laughs> outside of the whole purpose of being there. Yes, <laughs> yes. That, hey, listen, I've been to London. Like, I didn't have to see a Bears game, and so I was happy when I had yeah, visited, uh, so it was a great time. And the fans showed up. Bears yes. fans always show up, and you know that that's going to happen again today in Vegas. How did we not get even an in invite to the Vegas weekend. Well, I suspect the fact that you had to be in Houston covering covering <laughs> oh, so a it's debacle. My fault. Absolutely. It's my We're going to blame you, Dion, cuz uh no need to blame the White Sox for their performance right the last couple days. Uh Oof. Yeah. Oof. Tonight's big. Oh. Pfft. I it, mean, it doesn't get a, any bigger. It, and it's sad. I've seen everybody saying I hope the blackout doesn't turn into a funeral for the season. That was not. And who would be held responsible? We should do a post-game show about that. Well, I guarantee you there will be a post-game show uh, right. about that. We have that. We'll have you covered later tonight, of course. We are the home for the Chicago White Sox. First pitch, 7.07 tonight. Connor McKnight's pregame starts at 6.30, but we've got a special extended pregame show. Brian Hanley, Jesse Rogers starting at 4 o'clock today. So if you're looking wow. for White Sox coverage, they will have you completely covered, of course. So we're your home for the White Sox, at least for one more day. I hope longer. Than I, I hope day. so too. I really hope so Don't too. Don't get swapped. No, I, you, they, you one would think you couldn't, but man, it, that I will tell you, mm-hmm. the atmosphere in Houston, that that was tough. It was the the roof was closed because mm-hmm. they wanted it just to be louder, but the Astros played incredible defense. I mean, they were exactly where they needed to be yeah. all the time. They played clean baseball, and and the Sox didn't. That sense of urgency wasn't there, and it felt like Friday was just stress. Game two was yes. just stress for the White Sox. Absolutely, yeah. So, but again, plenty of coverage here on ESPN Chicago as Jeff Dickerson. Let's head on out to Vegas. He's not in Houston. He's in Vegas. He got the invite. Mm-hmm. JD covering the Bears for ESPN and ESPN Chicago. JD, how's that? Uh, you're uh, you're on the new stadium tour this year. How's the new stadium look out in Vegas? I to am. You? It's bumping here, guys. It is bumping. They had like a twenty piece <laughs> band playing some great hits. Little Tom Petty, little Dua Lipa and the Baby. Uh, they were cruising for like five songs. They got the DJ out now. The stadium itself is very nice, very clean, very sleek, very modern. 
I wouldn't say it has necessarily all the bells and whistles like SoFi Stadium or U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis, but this is very nice. It's very functional, and a lot of Bears fans in the crowd mm-hmm. today. So we'll see if they can get off to a good start, guys. You never know. Maybe they'll have the crowd on their side this afternoon. Well, let's hope so. How are they going to do this, though, with the absence of both David Montgomery and Akeem Hicks? Um, it- Huge losses, JD. This is and this is a team. Uh, it won't take long to realize they are not the Detroit Lions. This is a good yeah. Raiders team. So, I mean, where is the where? Which is the bigger loss, in your opinion, heading into this one? I I would say Montgomery, Dion, because I think the fear is that without a good running game, the Bears become one dimensional, and then you turn loose those Raiders pass rushers, as you said. This is not the line. Now, listen, you don't apologize for victories in the NFL, but you always have to put that out there that, yeah, the Bears won last week. It was a good game for the most part, but they played the Lions, and the Lions are terrible. The Raiders looked really bad on Monday night against the Chargers. I think, I personally believe they're a lot better than what they showed, and even though it's a short week, I think they're going to be ready for this game. I mean, they ran the Bears out of London two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, they, just, they just beat the you-know-what out of them. And I could see a real physical game today. Um, but if the Bears are one-dimensional and they're forcing Justin Fields to sit back there and throw too much, uh, that's going to be a disaster. That's why I wouldn't be surprised if you see a lot more quarterback-designed runs for Justin Fields today. They've got to supplement a little bit what they're losing in David Montgomery. It's good that Damian Williams is active. He practiced all week. So he's going to be your number one running back today. But... They need more than that to, to try to you know keep these mm-hmm. these Raiders pass rushers guessing and on their heels. JD, um, looking at the inactives as they roll in right now: Nick Foles, Jesse James, JP Holtz, Akeem Hicks, Joel. Go ahead, give me help. Give me help Iggy. me out here. Just Iggy. call Miggy. She, like Deanna always says, she gives me the veteran advice. <laughs> Just call Miggy. Um, and then finally, Brashard Perriman. When is it? Yeah. Should we expect Brashard Perriman at any point to uh, get on the field at some? Or what's going on here? I would have thought it would have been a while ago. I don't. I don't really know. Um, actually, it's so funny. The Bears are giving us the inactives, and I'm like, still no Brashad Perriman? And they didn't say anything. It, they just moved along. You know, they're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Nothing to see here. Making a snide comment to us. Okay. Um, yeah, that's, that's surprising because you would have felt at this point he would have learned enough where he could have played, but I guess not. So we will, we will see what happens there. But, yeah, no other real surprises. We knew Hicks was going to be out, and, um, yeah. Jesse James is a loss because if they want to run the ball, he's a really good blocker. Although at tight end, we we all know they haven't been really using their tight ends a whole lot. Mm-hmm. I guess it's not going to be as big of a loss as it would be if they were utilizing those guys in a different way. Tashawn Gibson available, though. That's helpful for the secondary now. Very helpful. And Khalil Mack, of course, mm-hmm. is going to play. I mean, there was no – that was not even a question. You know, he's not going to miss a game against the Raiders. Now, he does have the ribs and the foot, so he picked up a second injury last week. And they were very careful with him at practice. But, you know, he didn't play very well against them in London two years ago. Right. He would love nothing more than to have a big game against them today. You know, there's still that, that feeling whenever you leave a team that was your original team, you have a little extra motivation to try to get them back. And I'm sure Matt is feeling that way today, even though he won't say it publicly. How, how does that defensive front stack up, though, without Akeem? And can Eddie Goldman look a little bit more like he's prepared for live football this time around? Uh, yeah, and, and Dion, did you notice this week how they went out of their way to say that he played well last week? Like, of course. No. Speak it into reality, no, guys. <laughs> okay. No, no, not really. But it was his first game since 2019. So, I mean, you understand that there was some rust. 
you know, Deion, I'm actually been very encouraged by this defensive line. I think Bilal Nichols has had great, mm-hmm. made a couple great plays this year. He's off to a good start. I think um, Angelo Blackson has made some plays. I think he's been a valuable guy. Now, obviously not having Akeem Hicks is, is tough, but you're going to need more from Mario Edwards. You need more from those guys. And I, I think they can give it to you, but this is a good Raiders team. They run the ball well. I mean, I don't know why Gruden is always looking to get rid of Derek Carr. He is a really good quarterback. Mm-hmm. They've got the weapons. They've got the best tight end in the game in Darren Waller. They've got some speedster receivers. This is going to be tough. Obviously, they wish they had a team Hicks. That's a big loss, but I, I feel like of the two, I think they can handle the Hicks loss better than they can the Montgomery loss. J.D., now that you're out there, and have you had an opportunity to speak with any of your Vegas counterparts to get a sense of how the Chris Mortensen debacle has unfolded? You know, emails from, you know, you know, 10 years ago are hard to really, you know, blast somebody for. But the truth is, it's I don't even care what he said about Roger Goodell. For me, the important thing is, will his players rally around him because they believe his apology or if they suspect that there may have been some racism going on prior to this, will they quit on him? Have you gotten a sense from anybody who actually covers the Raiders? I think it's the great unknown, Jeff. All Paul Gutierrez has done is make fun of me for liking the band in pregame. So I haven't had a chance to talk to my great <laughs> okay. Raiders counterpart here for NFL Nation. No, mm-hmm. seriously. I mean, it, it's a very serious. I'm not trying to make light of it. Yeah, no, of course. Here. Of it's course. A very serious issue. And I think it's I think it's unknown, Jeff. I think we'll know more after today, won't we? We're gonna we're, we'll see if they're up to play. This is a short week for them. Like I said, they got banged around against the Chargers. They did not look very good. If they come out flat, then that might answer your question. But if they come out playing really well, really motivated, then they did rally around their head coach. But just you know, very just nasty stuff, unfortunate stuff, um, and that's the kind of stuff that can get a head coach in real trouble with the locker room. So we'll. Again, I think we'll have a better idea after today, kind of where everything stands with Gruden and his players. What do you th- how do you think everything stands with Nagy and his players after the roller coaster last couple of weeks, but even the start of this week where he just did that 180 in 48 hours and <laughs> made this announcement about Justin Fields' era has begun. And my favorite line of the whole thing is he's like, we've been patient. I was like, no, no, you haven't. Like, what in the world? Um, so how do you think that is falling in the Bears' locker room right now? I don't think they care what he says at the podium, Dion. I really don't. I think what matters are the results on the field. And obviously after Cleveland, something had to change. So he changed them. So if I'm a player, I'm looking at this and being like, listen, it's not perfect. It's been a problem for a long time. But at least they've acknowledged it uh, finally, right? Mm -hmm. And they're trying to take some steps to correct it. It's so hard, though, Dion. You know, it's when you're not in the locker room. It's just really hard mm-hmm. to get a sense for how these guys are truly feeling. But I, I don't think that he has alienated much of that locker room. Here's the thing about Matt Nagy. I think there are several things that he does very well as a head coach. I think he does keep the locker room together. I think he tries to keep it loose and fun. I think they like him. He's genuinely a, a nice person. Right now, there's all the negatives, which are the offense, which is the biggest negative because that's why he was brought here in the first place. Right? I'm not, I'm not in any way covering up um, things that he needs to do better as a head coach and things that he has not really been successful at. But as far as like just him and the vibe and the energy, I kind of feel he does a pretty good job in that regard. So I, I don't think that that they're kind of off kilter because of that. 
Deion, I just don't think they're that good. Right. And I, and I think now they're entering a stretch where now you're going to really see, okay, if they're good, if they're good, let's see what they do against the Raiders, against the Packers, mm-hmm. against the Buccaneers. Now let's really see. So I, I think the podium stuff for us is entertaining and, and kind of strange sometimes. But for them, I don't think they care. I, I think they're worried about trying to win this game and prove to people that they're legit when a lot of people don't think they're legit. And it feels like you lay out the schedule there. Of course, anything can happen. Injuries kind of change the roster as you arrive at the actual day of a game. But when you lay out the upcoming schedule there, the Raiders today, they get the Packers at home. They go to Tampa. Tampa. Then they have the 49ers coming here on Halloween at Pittsburgh on Monday night. Mm. Then the Ravens. I mean, those are uh, those That's are of those games. The Steelers, you know, based on how Ben's playing, could be an easier matchup of the rest of them. But boy, that is a very difficult schedule over the next six games. If they feel like they have any realistic shot at making a playoff run, it feels like today they need to get this one. Yeah, well, if they can just tread water, I hate to say that because that's usually a negative connotation for sports teams, but if they can just keep themselves at 500 and hover around there through that stretch, then they might be okay. But I don't I don't know. I mean, it's just uh, this is tough sledding for them. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, but in, I would put today's game in that category of very difficult. Again, I think the Raiders are good. I just don't think you really saw the real Raiders on Monday night. And I think they're at home. Um, I think they just have a good feel for how to face the Bears. Mm-hmm. And, guys, the bottom line is this. I just think it's a really bad matchup for the Bears. I don't like the matchup. I hate it without Montgomery. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Raiders win a convincing game. It's only five and a half. Mm. Not that I would know. No, I haven't spent no. time in sports books <laughs> the last 24 hours or anything. But well, that was going to be my question. five and a half when I saw Bellagio. Or, or when I heard it was at Bellagio sports book <laughs> at five and a half. So um, I would be surprised if that number goes over. Well, I'm just glad that they have decided to put all of their efforts into developing Justin Fields instead of wasting time with Andy Dalton and seeing what happens from there. I think that is going to make a huge difference moving forward. But um, I'm glad you're having fun in Vegas. What else are you doing that's a good time, J.D.? Well, you know, you know me, Dion. I'm not one to sit in the hotel room and just uh, you you know, are not. clip my fingernails or anything. You know, I like to go out there and, and see the people. I just, just did a little bit of a very, very, very mild tour of the strip okay. uh, a few of us had headed over to bellagio we had dinner we walked the strip a little bit we hit valleys which is a real gritty part of the strip you know but mm-hmm. the sports book was empty we had to, they basically headed to ourselves then we, i'm staying at aria so we were back to aria nice. um so it, it's been nice and tonight you know i don't know what we're gonna do tonight but maybe a little dinner or something listen when you're in vegas you can't just be doing nothing it too much collects. action too much activity you gotta at least go out and see the people a little bit, right? Yes, that's what makes these trips fun. Yeah, it's, go cer- for it's it. certainly not watching the bear- Bears most no, of the time. No, it's so. not. And I'm afraid JD's right. It's All right, JD, rough. we're going to spring you. Enjoy your time in Vegas. Hopefully, the Bears can get a win, even though it looks like a difficult proposition today. Thanks for uh, hopping on the pregame show. We do always appreciate it. I did win the Dodgers bet last night, and I did bet Fury in the, in the championship in the top boxing well, match. So. I'm two and zero. You're winning. So, so, so are winning. Are you, JD, are you feeling uh, like putting a little something on the White Sox then? Since you're so hot, um, that has been talked about tonight. Ooh. I'm just saying. Now, see, I don't, I don't gamble, so I don't, I don't. You know, you can gamble anywhere nowadays. You know that, right? Yes, I mean, yes. Still, of course. But for me, it's still there's still that allure of just coming to Vegas and just playing a couple of bets and just kind of having fun. But yeah, yeah. that's 
That's in the possibilities. I'll put that in the, in the maybe category for tonight. How about All that? All right. Sounds like a plan. All right, J.D., thanks, man. Enjoy it. All right. See you later, Jeff. Take care. All right. That is Jeff Dickerson live from Vegas. We're going to go back to Vegas. She got, just got confirmation. Tom Waddle's going to hop on yes. at uh, 2 o'clock. So we will talk with him as he uh, takes in the scenes at the Bears-Raiders game today. And up next, we will uh, hear from another wide receiver, a current Bear, who joined Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max earlier this week. And he said something that I had never heard before. And I want to know if you believe he's being truthful, Dion. We'll do that next. You're listening to the ESPN Chicago pregame show. Follow Chicago's home for sports on Twitter at ESPN 1000. Getting set for Bears and Raiders as the Bears visit Las Vegas and will take on the Las Vegas Raiders in Allegiant Stadium today at 3.05. I'm Jeff Meller along with Dion Miller, the pregame show, of course, brought to you by 3Chi and Valparaiso. So, Dion, I mentioned Allen Robinson revealed this earlier in the week on KJM. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, you hear them every morning from... 5 to 7 a.m. here on ESP 1000. And I thought this was interesting. They had Allen Robinson on, and they asked him, hey, was it different having Bill Lazor call plays? Yeah, you know, it's something that, it's something that you know, definitely uh, still kind of uh, not getting used to, but, you know, tr- figuring out the flow of that. You know, he called the plays a little bit last season as well. You know, so we could kind of uh, going back and kind of looking at it, having a feel for what he likes to call when he likes to call it, you know. So, um, yeah, that that um definitely is something for as a as a player that you have to get used to a little bit, you know what I'm saying, De- depending on the flow of the game, what he likes, what he sees and stuff like that. So it's still it's still, you know what I'm saying, for us last week was the first was the first game, you know, going in, going into the game. Um I didn't I didn't know who was calling the plays until um after the game, you know, so um, it, it 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 definitely for us, you know, uh, may take a little bit, but again, I mean, we have a little, we have a familiarity with him calling some of the plays. That struck me that he admitted he, you know, and whether Didn't, or not no. people that believe him, you know, why why would you would make you can make the argument, you know, if he's not the most valuable weapon they have. You know, he's second after David Montgomery, and now, yeah. you know, so for him to say he didn't even know, like, and ultimately, I don't think it really affects things too much. But I was surprised to hear Allen Robinson admit he didn't even know who was calling the plays heading into the game. Especially right after he said it is going to be a little bit of an adjustment with Bill. It's going to be a little bit different. And we remember last year the way that he liked to call the plays, but he didn't know that that was actually what was happening until like after the game. Like, that was interesting, did right? Did Matt like, Nagy go out of his way? To not tell people to make sure that nobody except for maybe Justin Fields were, you know, weren't what aware. Would be the point of that, I don't know. <laughs> but at this point, I'm not ruling anything out, no, and I don't either. know why Allen Robbins would lie about that. No, why it would, would you be, make that up? It would really be an odd thing. But I, I, so I believe it's plausible that he going into the game wasn't yeah. was unaware that Bill Lazor was like, but. It just, you know, it just adds to the more fuel to more the fire. Fuel here. to the confusion that happens at Hallis Hall. I think. I mean, I guess. In in theory, the only person who really needs to know who's calling the plays is the quarterback, right? Sure. But you know, when you when you know what Bill likes to call and they want need to get comfortable with that, you'd think that would be public knowledge or that Nagy he's all about clear communication and collaboration. One would think this is he would make that public knowledge yeah. within their locker room. And I would think a good team would 
be aware of what's going on. You know, like well, the offensive play call. That's my that's and that's agreed. That gets to the point of it. Good teams, like you said, the communication is clear. Yes. We know who's calling the plays. It, it doesn't re- again. I don't think it really affects anything ultimately. But good teams know what's going on. Yeah. Yes. It just adds to the confusion of, <laughs> yes, and do we know what we're doing? That yes. perhaps the Bears are not a good team. I This week I was listening to, um, gosh, who was it? Oh, the Chargers coach. Yes, Actually, Brandon, Liz, Staley. Brandon Staley. I have, we will get to that. I okay. have that sound talking okay. about running the play, right? Yes, running the ball. Running the ball. We, but I was listening to his press conference this week, and I was like, Matt, he sounds like a head coach. This We don't have yeah. this coherent. Yeah, well, press conferences at Hallis Hall. He's younger than Matt Nagy, and he worked under Matt Nagy. Worked under Matt Nagy, and he sounds mo- more coherent at the podium in his first year as head he coach does. of the Chargers. I'm Jeff Miller. <laughs> She's Dion Miller. Up next, we're going to go back out to Vegas and visit with Tom Waddle, so who you excited. may have heard is out at the game. Him and Sylvie went to Vegas to cover the Bears and Raiders, courtesy of White Claw at Circa. So. They are attending the game now. We're going to check in with Tom Waddle at Allegiant Stadium in just two minutes.